0: I'm so excited with this episode, I'm talking to Dean Hamilton, who works as the brand and comms manager for Russell Hobbs. Now, if you're not already familiar with Russell Hobbs, it is a global brand and they specialize in home appliances. I've known Dean for many many years and the reason why I had to have him on the show is because he has done so much work with influencers over the years and he's really seen and navigated heaps of changes. He has got a great sense of what works, what doesn't work and exactly what other brands need to know and to do so that they too can have really strong relationships with mum influencers. I really value his opinion and his insight, and I'm confident that you're gonna walk away with some inspiration, information, and practical tips that you can apply to your next campaign to take your mum influencer marketing to the next level. Let's get started. Welcome to Mastering the Mum Market podcast. This is the place for mum-centric brands to discover live insights and proven strategies to scale powerful relationships with mum shoppers. I'm your host, Christy Nicholas, and the CEO of Mum Power. In the past decade, I've partnered directly with 400 household brands, and I can't wait to pull back the curtain on what separates the ordinary brands from the extraordinary. Stick around as I take trending topics and explore them through the perspective of brands, influencers, and mum shoppers to give you a complete viewpoint on exactly what it takes to build a brand that more mums know, love, and trust. Hi, Dean. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, well,
1: Gracie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to join.
0: Dean, could you tell our listeners a little bit about what your role is at Russell Hobbs and and the kind of projects that you get involved in?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm the brand and communications manager for Asia Pacific. um, And I look after everything to do with the brand and communications of of Russell Hobbs. Um, So that's, you know, starting with influencer marketing and working with the social media team and also agencies like yourself. Um, also working on you know, sell to retailers and retailer presentations, um, in-store communications and brandings. Also working on um, with the product team on new product development, um, all sorts of brand insights and, and um, plus plus, you know there's, there's a lot of different elements within the role. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a large component of it.
0: Uh, That's that's good. Good to get um, the bigger picture of what you get involved in. Narrowing down in the influencer marketing space. um, Can you tell us how has your work with influencers evolved over the years? Because Russell Hobbs has been working with influencers for many many years. How's it changed?
1: Yeah, I think it's become a bit more of like, I guess what we call a partnership with the influencers. Uh, Previously, it was just kind of like. We would just either send product or send money and then, you know, it was just kind of a bit stiff and a bit um, stagnant in terms of how that the influencer would do it. Now we work with the influencers to try and get like a nice, friendly, real look and feel. Uh, we, we pick the influencers that um, we feel are quite genuine and, and represent our brand well and they're usually the people that would be familiar with the products too and and They would use those products anyway so they they enjoy it so i guess we've kind of shifted to a more real um, look and feel with with the influencers we work with
0: and um when you're looking at influencer marketing versus other types of advertising that the business gets involved in has your focus on influencer marketing increased decreased or or changed or, or stayed the same over the past couple of years
1: definitely increased. Um, I think we've realised that it's as a business, we've realised how important it is. Um, We don't do that much TV above the line advertising as much anymore. A lot of our advertising is like in the digital space. We still do, you know, um, BVOD and, and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook advertising. But now we're starting to kind of intertwine our influencer marketing within that so we'll utilize influencer marketing content as part of that channel um, as the advertising content
0: that's really that's a really interesting um way to involve influencers with your other traditional um advertising as well what about um in terms of what the retailers how, how they view influencer marketing versus traditional media do they see these mediums um as, as the same or do they have different views on them
1: it's changing. Um, I think they're realizing the power of it now. Obviously, you know, you drop TV advertising in front of a buyer, and they love it. Like it, it gets the 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 eyes, the eyeballs in front of it. But I think they're realizing very, very quickly, and a lot of them are very on board with it now. Um, the conversion rates that the influencer marketing can do, because. TV is just visual on a a TV, whereas I find influencer marketing, that it's often involved in like a a click-through and and a direct link to the retailer for purchase, um, which helps that conversion. But, yeah, they're definitely coming around to it now and a lot of retailers actually have their own um, influencer-type campaigns. A lot of them are are quite large influencers, but um, they're realising the power of just that constant stream of of, um, traffic through to their websites.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great and on that topic of how you mentioned that some retailers do work with some larger influencers I know you know Russell Hobbs you've got a great mix you know you work with your Mm -hmm. micro mum influencers but you also work with some um, more macro influencers who are not mums could you um, take us through why why you've got that sort of an approach?
1: Yeah it's it kind of it's a mix of Um, engagement and reach i think some of the major major influencers they've got you know a million instagram or tiktok followers that that we use they really get that reach for us but you don't necessarily get the engagement that we would get with a smaller mum focused influencer and you also don't get that kind of mum to mum brand advocacy that that a smaller micro mum influencer would provide and that's that's you know, them sharing their experience with the brand in the community and they like the product. Whereas a major, major influencer, it's clearly paid. Everyone knows it's paid. Um, it's about getting the word out there about the product. So it's it's more of just a reach exercise.
0: But together you find that it creates more momentum and it helps complete the picture for Russell Holt.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's about, I like... Within our campaigns, I like that like layering effect. So it's about really hitting that kind of three hundred and sixty. So we've got our traditional advertising, we've got the major influencers, the minor influencers, and it all kind of layers together to um, get a really good result.
0: On the topic of layering. When we look at the different types of influences or the different type of content that they can create, you've got, I guess, two different two different styles where you might have very aspirational and quite curated. It's not necessarily how you live your life every single day. They're, they're, they're stunning stylized imagery. And then you have other influencers who really showcase the realities and the raw messy side of mum life. Um, how do you approach working with those different styles and what's your preference?
1: Look, we, we like looking at what an influencer has done in the past and, and what their trend and style and shot style is. We'll always go through the detail in their feed, um, take on MumPower's recommendations. Um, you guys always have great advice on, on why we should pick a certain influencer and we'll go through and do our homework on it as well. But... We like a blend, um, honestly. There's there's different shot styles for different people, and that gives us the ability to target different people that may buy our products. So, um, I think uh, obviously we we don't like as much kind of. Staged type things we we like real genuine um but if there's an aesthetic play on that as well and it's just like a visually stunning image then we really enjoy that too so i think one example we've had that we really enjoy is um there's one particular influencer rani engineer who does these these stunning visual photography shots um and sometimes she intertwines like really really nice family elements into it as well and that that really resonates with our brand. Um, our core messaging being, you know, Russell Hobbs, we get life. That's where we're moving to as a brand, and it's about being real and genuine. So, uh, if we can get aesthetic and um, and family fun, bit messy, then we're really happy. But yeah, even just like the real, genuine shots, give that that um, advocate type thing too.
0: I think that's really important that you've got that we get life aspect because that seems like it's a real anchor for Russell Hobbs. And you, you touched on it that someone like Rani is able to um, talk to that quite naturally. Um, is is there something else that mum micro-influencers bring to the table that you, you don't find as commonly in other mediums or other styles of influences?
1: Yeah, it's that I find it's... A similar effect to kind of like reviews product reviews so people would leave reviews on our website and it gives that genuine experience of of what they've learned about the product and what they like and what they don't like they're not going to like everything necessarily but that's what we enjoy about this content it's very real and it gives their kind of opinion of the product and whether that's good or not so good um that's what we want out in the market we want it to look real um, and we want it to be real um, because we want it to be their experience with the product and that's what consumers are looking for in all the research we've found um, and we've done globally that's what consumers are looking for is is just is it a good product do i want to buy this
0: and it's, look, it's great that Russell Hobbs has been able to, you know, personally experience the benefits of um, influencer marketing and the benefits of working of totally different influencers from micro-influencers to macro-mum-influencers, non-mum-influencers, um, but obviously working with um, influencers is not without risks. Where have you seen, either for your brand or for another brand out in, in the market, where mum-influencer marketing didn't go according to plan and um, the kind of impact? impact? impact it can
1: have on a brand yeah look there's there's all sorts of ways it it can go wrong um obviously uh, there's been instances where you know brands have supported someone who's then gone on to do something that doesn't look good for them or for the brand um and that's what we're like obviously constantly looking out for um is to to avoid that kind of instance but I think at least from a mum power perspective we don't really have that risk so much. Um, I think you guys work with people that are pretty genuine and real and and aren't going to have those risks. But um, I mean, us personally, we've had instances in the past where we've, you know, kind of just selected an influencer and they've been not the right fit for the brand. It's been, um, you know, it's, it's ended up looking a bit, not genuine and they don't know how to use the product and it's very visibly obvious in the in the content and like it's fine it's just it doesn't resonate with consumers as much and then it's not as worth it for us as a brand to to move forwards with that so i think um that's why we personally look for that real and genuine person who's going to use our products because that way it resonates with consumers
0: So would you say that um, for other brands, a way that they can control influencer marketing, not going uh, according to plan is if they did a bit better pre-screening to to validate that it's the right fit, that this person is
1: interested. Absolutely. Yeah. Just going through their feed, doing a little bit of background research. I know it it can get pretty hard because there's so many. You can do so many in a campaign and, and it takes a while to go through them, but um, just like I've seen some other brands kind of just pick people at random clearly, and it it just looks a bit fake and not kind of it, it not not something that would compel a person to
0: purchase. Talking about um, controlling outcomes with influencer marketing, we have seen over the past few years that influencer marketing has gone from being um, a much more casual uh, conversational transaction between brands and influencers to now being highly regulated and it's, you know, we've got a new code of conduct, you know, everybody has got influencer contracts, It's, it's now all the norm. On this topic, uh, how much freedom do you give to influencers um, that you're working with to create the, the content for your brand?
1: Yeah, look, when it, when it comes to content creation, we like to give as much freedom as we can. Obviously, we still want them to hit, you know, like the, the key notes of the product, whether that's one or two. We like to keep it simple so that they can still have their personality and their creativity and their style within the post because that. Brings that genuineness, but um, obviously, we still need to hit a key selling feature of the product. Um, when it comes to like back end, yeah, we, we obviously have global regulations that have come down now with, with contracts we need to, to sign and, and that kind of thing, which makes it more challenging for us and for yourselves and for the influencers. Um, and that's all come from, you know, global or even Australian regulations, that makes it a bit more challenging in the future, but I think, yeah, we try and not restrict the influencers too much because I found that we have done that in the past and that's a mistake we've made is being way too prescriptive working with influencers and it, it makes them just, yeah, again, seem not real. They're just listing out the features of your product like you would on the website anyway. Um, I personally like in our content for them to just show their experience with the product.
0: I've got a very controversial question for you. Should (laughs) brands have the right to fix spelling mistakes and grammar for mum influencers, or is it better that it's left as it is so that the content looks more raw and natural?
1: Ooh, that's a controversial one. I think, um, me personally, spelling mistakes and grammar, I think yes, but I think tone of language I think the influencer should be able to have free reign on that um, as long as they're hitting the, the necessaries. So for us, that would be like hashtag ad and tagging us, then I'm not so phased, not so but I do think spelling and grammar would be one I'd be like, kind of need that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure a lot of brands feel the same way. <laughs> seen with when you're working with influencers and, and so forth like in some instances we've seen you know um, other brands where they might only work with an influencer for a particular campaign launch and then then that finishes how do you leverage um, content after a campaign is done so that you get much more ROI out of it uh, out of that whole experience
1: yeah so this is a big one for us because we use it in multiple different ways so um, first first off we Definitely always boost as much as we can. So, if there's like a maybe like an influencer that has a larger following, sometimes we boost it. um, We boost their post, or we pretty much always repost their content and boost our post. We also use it as advertising content. Uh, So, we'll repurpose it into an ad, maybe like a from a selection of a campaign. It's like, hey, here's Russell Hobbs products being used by all these different influencers, or just real mums we'll usually call them and um, that'll be like a swipe through ad. We also um, sometimes integrate it into our website as well. So if we have a mum create a recipe, we have a, a recipe section we've created on our website and we'll feature the mum's content and tag them on Instagram as well. Well, have a click-through link to their Instagram um, and that's actually kind of resonated globally so we got that function created on our website and now there's other regions doing a similar thing with that influencer function
0: that's great so it really shows that you've been able to get a lot more out of the campaign rather than just relying on the influencer to do her bit you're also doing some of the heavy lifting as well how does that do you feel like it saves time and money or it makes your digital team work better what are some of the benefits that you've seen snowball
1: it just gives us more content um, is the big one. Like being able to repurpose that and, and working with yourselves to have um, like, like real flexibility in terms of the usage period, rights makes it really useful for us to work with our socials team and our advertising team to be able to be flexible. Um, we don't necessarily get as much content as we'd like, um, or we're able to shoot. So it does save a bit on cost as well. Um, obviously, it still costs us to use this service, but um, I think in the wash, we get a great mix of content from this and it's not always very same-same. Um, that's why in our campaigns with yourselves, Mum Power, we, we kind of want a mix of content we want stuff that's going to get massive reach we want stuff that's like recipe type and then we want stuff that's super aesthetic that we can use for that advertising so yeah that's that's the goal
0: and on that like when we're talking about um leveraging content when we're looking specifically at roi i know obviously it's very natural for companies to look strictly at vanity metrics um but how how do you measure the success of your um, influencer marketing in in um on on a broader sense
1: it's really just like the classic (laughs) measurement um Measurement figures. So we we often use like your reporting and the figures you send us from the campaign so that'll be your reach and your engagement and um, click-through links and everything like that. Obviously, click-through links will also be part of our advertising so we'll measure that on a Mum Power advertising campaign from our end using the Mum Power content. But then we also measure, you know, when the campaign has gone live for that period and the, our sell-through within our retail stores um, in addition to the the kind of less measurable, but from just this discussions with our retail buyers and, and their opinions and what they think. And, I mean, it's all been very positive feedback, which is a really good thing for us.
0: Does it help if content is something that you can repurpose like over another 12 months or so? Does that um, come into play?
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, it depends on the longevity of the product, whether it's like a promo product or a, you know, much longer term product. But if, yeah, if we can use it for a longer period, it's always helpful. Um, obviously, there's only so many times you can post it. So that depends on how much content you've coming, you got coming through. Um, but, yeah, we, we always like to reuse it, at least for advertising.
0: And... Thinking back, because you've obviously worked really closely with different influencers for a long period of time, can you um, recall a time where you worked with uh, an influencer and it really got super strong, crazy response? And why do you think that was that other brands can can learn from that?
1: Yeah, there's been a few. Um, I, I think, yeah, like I said, definitely Ronnie, Engineer. Not necessarily we got a lot of feedback from consumers or followers on Instagram, but even internally and um, with our buyers, everyone was like, wow, those are stunning images. We, we really, like, just aesthetically really nice, make the product look gorgeous. I mean, some of them were better than our shots, so we were really happy with that. Um Some of the other ones we've had really, really good feedback on were there were certain shots from Lucas Girls Love. Um, They did some really gorgeous, like, family, nice, friendly shots. Um, Sydney Fashion Tribe did some really good stuff for our Addison Kettle and Toaster range. So um, it was just real and genuine and it looks looks stunning, products too. Um, And even on our most recent campaign, you know, there's been a couple where they've been explaining how to use our product really well because it's a little bit more of a technical like two-in-one iron product. So explaining how it works and what they like about it, what what's they don't like about it and just being real and genuine with the product.
0: What I think is interesting that you've made a note of is that you've shown how An influencer who's not necessarily the highest ranking influencer but she created really suitable content and the response that it had for retailers from retailers and at the end of the day the reason why brands are doing influencer marketing is because that what they want to help grow the brand and get more sales like that's what why we do all this so it goes to show that you can still get a positive response from retailers and who, who will look very favorably at what you're doing working with influencers um, and it doesn't mean that they have to be the higher, the, the influencers with the highest numbers or anything like that. It can it can work in different ways.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we we use some of those images in our retailer presentations too, because it just really adds that that feeling to the presentation of our we get life messaging. Um, just just when it's real genuine with the family like that, it shows that that that's what Russell Hobbs represents.
0: With what you're doing in Australia, how how is it different to what Russell Hobbs is doing in other global markets?
1: Yeah, it's um, like it's a little bit different. Uh, obviously, there's there's other markets that have very very large budgets compared to us, obviously, because they're larger regions. So some of them will go with the major influencer marketing agencies. Um, obviously us with a, a bit, bit more challenged um, from a budget perspective, that's where it helps us to work with a, a smaller agency like yourselves with these micro-influencer moms. So it gives us that ability to be a bit more flexible. Um, I think it's a bit different when we talk at Asia. Um, Asia has their like thought opinion leaders and that that's a bit different to how it works here. I think it resonates differently in Asia. Um, so that's... A bit more of a challenge over there um yeah it's 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 a bit different globally
0: yeah that sounds very different what they're doing in in asia compared to australia um style Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that ever um comes through in australia one day
1: exactly yeah
0: so what, what trends are you seeing with mum influencer marketing at the
1: moment uh with mum influencer marketing um yeah, just, just that. I think it's more just the way we're working with them. Um, in Like the content has, has kind of not overly changed too much in the product space, um, but I think m- making it easier working with each other, being becoming partners, um, less of like a transactional relationship but more of like a, like we enjoy Russell Hobbs products, so let's let's keep using them. Um, and same for us, we enjoy the content you guys create. So let's keep working with you um, and just making it easy for each other. I think, and also yeah, moving away from just that like kind of posed. This is the product. Um, it's more of like a like a they want the content to work for their consumers as well, not just uh, for their followers. Not just be like a. Like, a, here is the product, buy the product. It's a, hey, here's me using this cool product. I really like it.
0: Okay. No, it's a lot more um, authentic and natural. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. hmm now, what, what we've covered in terms of some some of your comments about influencer marketing and what you've seen works and so forth, you've you've um, explained like the benefits that brands can get from working with um, a diverse range of influencers, from making sure that they are aligned to the brand values so that the content is um, just so much more authentic and, and, and genuine. And, um, you know, and and you've you've shown us how you can, you know, educate retailers about what you're doing so that everybody can get as much ROI out of the experience. If you're to reflect um, on what you've done and what's worked, what's your number one tip for other brands who are keen to grow their relationships uh, with mum influencers that will ultimately make the biggest difference to their long-term growth?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question. I'd, I'd say, definitely think about what your consumer would want to see content wise i think trying to i guess shove it down the consumer's throat and be like buy the product buy the products is i don't think it for us it doesn't work as much anymore i think it needs to be content that the cons- the consumer wants to see from the influencers so learning about a recipe or seeing a cool new feature or Um, you know following someone that they love to see day in day out being like this is a cool thing Um, I think so that's it's about that consumer connectivity and using the influencers as a channel for that Uh, I think in addition to that to grow in this influencer space you've got to be not hard to work with I think um, you know if it works for the and it works for you like just just be easy to work with. Let them do their thing. Um, sure, you can you can prescribe a couple of key features or something, but if you're making it overly complex for the mum, it's going to be so hard to, to agree on on a piece of content and, and if you force it too much, it'll just look non-authentic. So I think being easy to work with is definitely um, a key benefit. And I think that's where we enjoy working with mum power because you guys often give us recommendations. It's like, oh, that's a bit much. Let's cut back or... Um, this person's really good for doing this recipe, or this person's really good for this how to do um, content or some real content. So I think that's where we worked well together with yourselves and with the moms, uh, making it easier.
0: Thank you, Dean, for all this insight. It's been really good to get your opinion and your views on how um, Russell Hobbs is going and what others in, the, in this space can learn as well from, from someone like yourself, who's had so many years hands-on experience um, in every single facet of influencer marketing. So lovely to have you on the show.
1: No worries, thanks for having me, Christy. It's been great.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. I genuinely value you taking the time and I really hope that there was a key insight or takeaway that you can implement in your very next campaign. If you did find anything in this episode valuable, it would mean so much if you could give the show a rating. It's literally as easy as hitting the star rating button. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the easier it is for others to discover the podcast. That's it for me. I can't wait to host you again next time.